Good morning, good morning. Thank you for being here. Excited to worship with you and continue to worship through the Word. If it's your first time worshiping with us, if you've never uh, been here before, we're thankful that you're here. Uh, we've prepared for you. We pray that you feel welcome. We actually have a gift for you today that we would love for you to walk out of here with. And so in the back of the seat in front of you um, is a card, a, what we call our Connect card. If you'll take that card, uh, fill it out with as much information as you feel comfortable with on your way out today, stop by our Next Steps. Um, look for somebody with a badge on and hand them that card and they'll hook you up with your very own Lindsay Lane East t-shirt and you'll get to leave here repping East after your first visit. All right. And it's a nice quality shirt. We're not getting them from they're They're good shirts. Amen. I don't know why I'm asking for an amen on that. But hey, if you're watching online too, uh, we're thankful that you're watching online, but, um, uh, we ask that we don't, you can't fill out these cards, but you can fill out our online connect card. It's found in the description of each of our videos. You can click on that and fill it out, and uh, we'll follow up with you this week as well and see if there's any way that we can pray for you and minister to you in the future, all right? Um, today's going to be a fun word. I'm so pumped. Uh, everything's been working to here. Uh, we talked about the, the, all these covenants um, in this study called I Promise. And so um, today we're looking at the fifth and final Part of that, um, what we've been doing is we've been looking at God's love throughout the whole Bible as it's evidenced through what the Bible calls covenants. What, these, what covenants are are particular moments throughout human history in which God chooses to partner with mankind in a particular way. That's what covenants are. And we see that God creates these partnerships with Noah, um, and, and all the people of the earth by saying, I will never flood the earth again. Uh, we see that in, uh, in the early part of Genesis. And then we see God make a covenant with a man named Abram, who later, later comes, becomes known as Abraham. Um, but God makes the covenant with him that uh, you're going you're gonna to have a land, your people are going to have land, you're going to be a big family, and your family is going to be a special blessing to all the nations. And we see that, and then we see the covenant through Moses to God's people at Mount Sinai, where God lays out the law, and the people are supposed to follow that law, to know God more. And then we, last week, uh, Pastor Allen from our North Campus came and preached to you guys and taught you about the covenant with David, right? That, um, yes, David, you're going to be a great king. Um, the sons after you are going to sit on your throne, and one day... Uh, one of your sons is going to sit on a forever throne. And that was the message of last week's uh, that points forward to Jesus. Today we get to the fifth and final installment that I love is about the new covenant. But first of all, before we dive in, I just want to say thank you for making Pastor Allen and his family feel welcome last week. Uh, man, he just went on and on about how awesome you guys are. And I said, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I know they're awesome. And so just thank you for making him and his kids. If you worked in the kids' building last week or the nursery, like whatever you did to help make them feel welcome, you did it, and we appreciate it. Um, I love the fact that I can, ask, I can let someone come up here and preach and knowing that you're going to make them feel loved and appreciated. And so um, I was at the main campus last week. I got a chance to go and preach there to our brothers and sisters in Christ over there and had a great time, enjoyed it. But as Dorothy says... There's no place like home. I'm so glad to be back with you guys this week. Um, I enjoyed my time. They made me feel welcome too. But East is my home, and I'm so glad to be here uh, preaching back behind this table that I love. Um, I love the, the table Andy John preaches behind, but he can have it. This is the one I love because it's here at East, and I love you. And we're going to continue on forward. Amen? All right. Um, 
And then we had a marriage conference. Dude, if, man, golly, I, I know I wish everybody, unmarried or not, like single, whatever you look, we just had fun this weekend. I thought it was just a lot of fun. Um, and so if you went to our marriage conference this weekend, thank you for going. Thank you for investing time in your marriage. Thank you for um, just being willing to set aside money and time to go and to be a part of that. I pray that God uses that to strengthen your marriage because here's the deal. This church will only be as strong as the families that make it up, as the families and individuals. And so the moment that our families begin to falter, the moment that we begin to slack off as individuals and as families, man, this church is done and we can fold it up and they can put a mini mall out here. I don't know what they're going to do. But it ceases to be a church when we, when, we, when we get there. So thank you for taking time to invest in that. We had a lot of fun doing that. So it's been a crazy week. Today we're back, New Covenant. Let's dive in. Uh, we're going to begin by looking at Luke chapter 22. If you've got a Bible, turn there to Luke 22, beginning in verse 19. Um, what we're seeing in the New Covenant, and just the spoiler alert, because we've got to begin with this, the New Covenant's all about Jesus. Okay? The New Covenant is a fulfillment of all the covenants that have led to this point. And they, it all culminates in Jesus. And so that's what we're going to be. I'm going to read just a couple of verses from Luke 22. I'm going to pray, and we're going to come back and talk about this uh, for a little while, okay? Verse 19 says, And he took bread, talking about Jesus. He gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I'm going to say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, God, that, uh, that we, we can come in today, God, by your grace, and we can open up your word, and God, by your spirit, we can understand it. Uh, God, I'm thankful that, uh, that we get to do this today. God, I pray that you would help us to, uh, to understand your word today, God, that you'd help us to, to take next steps that we need to take today after hearing your word. And so, Father, I pray um, that those that are watching online, those that are here in person, God, that we would all uh, be drawn closer to who you are through this discussion. And, God, as we pray, uh, teach us to know you and be with us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Jesus is gathered in this verse, verse chapter 22, verse 19 to 20. He's gathered with his disciples the night before he is betrayed that leads to his death. This is the first time that we see followers of Jesus taking what we call now the Lord's Supper. And we've been doing it for 2,000 years since. And we're going to take it today. Because it's important. We'll talk about, when, when we do the Lord's Supper every time, we talk about the bread, right? We talk about the cup. But we just totally breeze over these two words that Jesus says, that this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant. Jesus says that and we, like, we're here and we're like, okay, that's cool. Man, maybe you know what it means, maybe you don't, but we just really, we skim right over it. But listen to me, I can tell you by any shadow of a doubt, the people that Jesus spoke it to 2,000 years ago did not skim over it. When they heard the words new covenant, they listened. Because the new covenant to this point is a biblical idea from the Old Testament that these Jewish boys, these Jewish boys, that it, it, would, have, it would have been impactful to hear those two words from this man that they were following, Jesus. I've talked to you guys about hyperlinks before. If you're familiar with hyperlinks, they're those little blue words that are underlined in an email. Somebody nod and tell me you know what hyperlinks are. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> hyperlinks are things that it may be a word or a phrase or a sentence. When you click on it, it carries you somewhere else to give you more information about that thing. 
There are hyperlinks all throughout the Bible. They're not blue and they're not underlined. But they're, they're, they're phrases and words that the biblical authors use that aren't just words. There's ideas behind those words. There's meaning. I'll give you an example. When the biblical authors use the word Babylon, like that's not just the name of a city. That's an idea. Babylon, all throughout the Bible, represents everything that is bad about mankind. It represents the epitome of evil and sinfulness. And so when the biblical authors use the word Babylon, don't just think, oh, that must be the name of a city. No, it's, it, it's loaded with meat. Um, another idea is the image of God. Right? The image of God is something that the New Testament authors talk about too. But where did we first hear image of God? All the way back in Genesis 1 and 2, right? We were created in God's image to be his image bearers. And so when the New Testament authors use that, they're not just throwing out a term. They're doing it with intentionality. And the new covenant, when, when by the time Jesus comes on the scene, the, ter- the idea of the new covenant is so loaded and so heavy with biblical goodness. It's just dripping. And so when, somebody, when Jesus says the words new covenant, it's a heavy term. Um, it's only used one time in the Old Testament, actually, in Jeremiah 31. But the idea is mentioned several times by the prophets throughout the Old Testament. All of them are speaking of a time in the future in which uh, um, God is going to make a new partnership with his people. It's going to be different from all the previous covenants that have come before it. It's going to be a new partnership with his people. And so the contrast... Uh, every one of them contrasts. We're going to look at three passages today. And what you're going to see is that they reference back to these old covenants that we've talked about the last four weeks that, that were physical. They were dealing with flesh. They were dealing with actions of obedience. And every one of these um, is going to speak of the new covenant in a way that is spiritual and it involves the heart of man. So the first passage I want to look at is Moses speaking near the end of his life. Uh, I believe, um, shows us an image of the new covenant. So we're going to talk about three things. In, um, the point number one is this. In the new covenant, God offers a new kind of marking. A new kind of marking. Look at the passage with me. Deuteronomy 30, uh, verse 6. The Lord your God, uh, he's, this is Moses speaking, and he's given some context that he's speaking of a time in the future in which God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your descendant. And you will love him with all your heart and all your soul. So that you will live. So at this point that Moses is speaking. He's led God's people all the way from Egypt down to the Jordan River. But it's taken 40 years to get there. And so guess what? Some of the people that are about to cross over. Some of the Israelites. Some of Abraham's family. That are about to cross into the promised land. The, the land of Canaan. They weren't at Mount Sinai because it was a long time ago at this point. And so this is a new generation. They were either kids at Mount Sinai when the covenant was made, when the law was given, or they weren't even born yet. And so the whole book of Deuteronomy is Moses retelling the story of Mount Sinai, the promises that God made, the covenant that God made, and the laws that he gave them. And it's him telling it to the new generation who are going to get to go into the land of Canaan and possess it. And so that's where Moses is here. Moses knows he's not going to get to pass into the land because he had made some dumb decisions as a leader. And God had said, hey, man, it ain't for you. It's for the new generation. And Joshua leads the people. But 
Um, he takes the opportunity to challenge and inform this new generation of what God has done. And he reminds them of the, uh, of the law as well. But here he, do, he actually, so this is, uh, remember the storyline. We had Noah, then Abraham, then Moses, and then David. And so we're right here at Moses. And what does he point back to? Points back to that strange term that we don't want to talk about, but circumcision. That's all, okay. Right? And what did that have to do with? What covenant does that point back to? The one with Abraham. The second covenant we talked about. Because God told Abraham, you're going to have land, you're going to have a big family, and you're going to be a special blessing to all the nations. And in return, I want you to set yourselves apart from the world physically. I want there to be something in your flesh that is different than everybody else around you. And God called them to circumcise their flesh. And they, they, they did that. And this was, this was a reminder, this was a sign that they had been set apart and that they were part of the family of Abraham and therefore part of God's people. But as Moses points back to that covenant, he also points forward to something that's coming in the future. And he says, you know how God asks you to mark your bodies as a symbol of who you are? There's a day coming in the future where it's not your body that's going to be marked, it's your what? Your heart. He says, you call, you call the people of Abraham to circumcise their bodies. Now, in the new covenant, there's a day coming in which God himself is going to circumcise your hearts. God's going to be the surgeon. This is not a physical sign, but, but one that involves the heart. Paul talks about this new marking in Romans 2. He says that God's people are not identified by any outward appearance. As in circumcision, they have been changed inwardly to be considered God's people. Paul actually makes the argument against the Jewish people that just because you have the outward sign that shows you're part of Abraham's family don't mean you're part of Abraham's family. It don't mean Jack. God has made a way in Christ for us to be changed inwardly. And I got a question for you. It's in light of Paul's teaching in Romans 2. He's speaking to Jewish people at times and also Gentiles. And he's saying that this outward sign doesn't mean that your heart's been changed. Can I ask you a question? Because I've asked this question to a lot of people. When I ask the question, are you a Christian? Does the first thing that come to your mind something I can see with my eyes? Because I get that a lot. Hey, yeah, man, I go down there at church uh, down there in the corner. Awesome. Not what I asked. Oh, yeah, man, I was, I was, I was baptized back at a little country church when I was about seven. Not what I asked. Man, yeah, I serve faithfully. I've been serving for 20 years in my church. I'm a greeter. I work in the nursery. Praise God, ain't what I asked. Right? What did I ask? Has your heart been changed by God? Only that signifies that we are His. Only that signifies that we are part of the family. I don't care if you've walked an aisle, joined a church, been dunked in a baptistry, or even served in the church. The Bible is clear that if your heart has not been changed by the Holy Spirit through salvation, you are still in sin. And you stand in need of salvation. But the good news is that today... The Bible is also clear that you can turn from your sin, turn to God, trusting fully in His name as the only one who can save you, committing the rest of your life to follow Him, and you can get that changed heart.
you can experience this change of heart that Moses talked about thousands of years ago. This is the new covenant, a new kind of marking that happens when we trust in Jesus. Point number two, not only a new kind of marking, but a new kind of knowledge. Um, I'm going to read Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. 31, 31 through 34. Um, this is the passage that actually uses the term new covenant. The only time it's, it's word for word used in the Old Testament. Um, here it is. I'm going to begin. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. So what covenant is he talking about before we even finish reading? He's not talking about Noah. He's not talking about Abraham. He's talking about Moses. The covenant that was made at Sinai. Leading them out of Egypt, right? That's what he's referencing. My covenant that they broke. (laughs) Um, Thanks for throwing that in there, God. Even though I am their master, the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. This is the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, Know the Lord! They'll all know me from the least to the greatest. This is the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. I love this passage. It's like a pinata just chocked full of goodies, y'all. And we're going to smack it around a little bit. But we're, there's going to be a benefit to it, okay? We're going to take our time with this. Um, so first, let's start. Um, which covenant is Jeremiah referencing? We've already got that out of the land of Egypt. This is the, Mo- the covenant with Moses. But let's talk about what that was. Let's remember back two weeks ago. As we talked about that, the covenant with God's people through Moses is where we get the law. The law, the 613 laws that were given to guide God's people so that they would know God. These laws, this is important that you know this. It's nerdy stuff, but this is important. The laws were known by the Hebrew word Torah. But I'm a redneck, so I'll say Torah, okay? So don't expect me to say it the right way again. Torah. Torah, that's the Hebrew word, okay, Torah. These laws were known by that word, and it gets, that word, Torah, gets translated, um, well, actually mean, it doesn't necessarily mean law, it actually means more like teaching or instruction. And so they were asked to keep the Torah as part of the covenant. That was their part of it. God said, I'm going to do these things for you. You are going to do this thing. Now, what was it that they were going to get in return from God? The one thing, there's a lot of things that are mentioned, but the one thing that stands out is what God told Moses when he first called him to lead the people out back in Exodus 6, verse 7. Um, God said, I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. You will know that I am the Lord, your God. So there's a relationship and there's a knowledge, right? There's a knowledge and there's a relationship. Um, Kelly and I have been married for 12 years this summer, right? 12 years this summer. Nailed it. And uh, (laughs) so we've been married for 12 years, right? The only way, so y'all all all know Kelly, if you've ever met her, you know Kelly. But can we all agree I know her more, right? Because I have, my relationship is different than yours. I've been invited by Kelly into an intentional relationship as her husband and therefore I know her more 
This is what God was offering to the people at Mount Sinai. He was inviting them into a special kind of relationship that would allow them to know him more than anyone else at this point. He was inviting them into a relationship so that they would know him. Now, that seems to be God's desire with the covenant. It becomes more clear as God and Moses converse on Mount Sinai. Moses asks God through the law. Listen to this, uh, verse, Exodus thirty-three, thirteen. Now, if I have found favor with you, God, please teach me your ways. That sounds like teach me to be obedient to you, right? Tell me what to do. But listen to what he says. Why do I want you to teach you? Why do I need to know your ways? Why? Because I will know you. Teach me your ways and I will know you. Right? It's all about God help us know who you are. Fun trivia note. Why is this verse important? Unless you're in the first service, don't open your mouth. Why is this verse important to our church? Listen to me. And you don't, I don't expect you to know this, okay? I would have freaked out if somebody said it. I would have given Kenny as your like house servant for the week. <laughs> Is that weird? <laughs> Good thing we're not live streaming this service or anything. Um, listen, listen. <laughs> this is the first passage I preached as your pastor here. Exodus thirty-three, thirteen, And it's where we got our prayer. And for me as your leader, God, teach us to know you and be with us. This is the very first sermon I preached to you guys back in January of 2020. Anyway, it doesn't hurt my feelings at all that none of you knew it, honestly. It's okay. I'll just cry later. Um, so it seems to Moses, at least, that the law did show them how life worked best and how to worship God. But arguably, the most important goal for the laws was that they would know God more through this new relationship. So let, now we got all that. That's the, that's the reminder of the covenant of Moses. Now let's jump back to Jeremiah, verse 33. Instead... Instead of the, like it was with the covenant of Moses, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Listen to what God says. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. Maybe it's nerdy stuff, y'all. But what's the Hebrew word for teaching? Torah. Y'all, it makes this little nerdy pastor want to shout. The beautiful, almost poetic piece that we, can, that we can often miss because we're reading an English translation is that what God is saying is that I'm going to put my Torah in them and write it on their hearts. This is why that's important. In the Mosaic Covenant, back with Moses, God put his Torah where? Not in them, but before them. Right? He literally, Moses came off the mountain carrying two tablets of stone. And on those stones were ten commandments. The Torah of God. And he comes down off the mountain. So, and he lays them before the people. And there, the people of God have the Torah of God before them written on stone. But Jeremiah says that in the new covenant, God's Torah, God's teaching, God's instruction will not be before you. It will be in you. And it's not going to be written on stone. It's going to be written on your hearts. This is, the, this is what is offered to us in Christ, church. In Christ, God has placed His teaching, His Word in you. 
through his presence. You see the difference that that can make. What we see is that God puts his Torah before the people in Exodus. And you know what doesn't happen? They follow God perfectly. That's what doesn't happen. In fact, they continue to be disobedient to God over and over and over again. And so clearly just putting before people what God expects and how they can know God didn't fix the relationship problem. The, the law in Moses' day was, was to, to teach us to know God and to experience a relationship. You are my people. I will be your God. The new covenant purpose is the same. God has placed his Torah, his teaching within us through the power of the Holy Spirit to be his people and to know God. Church, you can experience knowledge of God like no generation before you. Moses, Abraham, all of the Old Testament saints, you and I have an opportunity to know God more than any of them. Because the Spirit of God is in us. His Torah is within us. And my question is this. Why do we squander it? Right? I mean, like we, ha- we still have the teaching of God. We still have the Torah. We have the exact words, just in English, that, Moses, that God spoke to Moses and he gave to the people. We've still got that. And we've got more. God's Spirit within us. So what are we doing with that? If you're a Christian in the room, God's word just said that in this new covenant, you have an access to knowledge of God that should blow your mind. So are you growing in it? If not, there is no excuse. If, you're, if, you, know, if you know the same or less about God than you did a year ago, that's not good. Because God has called us to know Him. He's invited us into a relationship so that we may know Him. There are more resources out there to help you learn to read your Bible than ever before. And we've built just a simple guide here at East that we want to offer you today. An eight-week study guide. If you say, hey, Heath, I need to get in the Bible. God's wearing me out right now. Okay, I got it. I need to start studying my Bible. Listen. We've built just a simple eight-week study guide. It walks through the life of Christ. Nothing fancy. It gives you just a section of verses to read and a little blank for you to jot down what God may be speaking to you in that moment. I invite you, if God's speaking to you now that I need to be in the Word, join me in that. Join me as we go through that eight-week study of the life of Christ. You can actually pick those guides up at the next steps on your way out. Talk to somebody with a badge on. They'll hook you up with a, with a reading guide. And it's simple. It's five days a week where we can dive into God's Word together, less than a chapter a day. So if you need a boost in reading God's Word, we're going to provide a plan for you today. Stop by Next Steps, um, and they'll hook you up. But this new covenant doesn't just offer a new kind of a marking and a new kind of knowledge. It also offers to us who are in Christ a new kind of obedience. I want to look at the prophet Ezekiel for this one. Ezekiel chapter 11 uh, verses 19 and 20, he speaks, of, um, he speaks of the new covenant as well. And this is what he says. Again, speaking for God, Ezekiel was a prophet. I will give them integrity of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will remove their heart of stone from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh. Why, might you ask? 
so that they will follow my statutes, keep my practices, uh, keep my ordinances, and practice them. They will be my people, and I will be their God. Ezekiel gives us an intense look at what happens in the new covenant. The first thing he says is that we are given a new spirit. We're given a new spirit. This spirit does a work in us that is crazy. When the spirit, through the spirit, God takes a heart of stone that is cold and not open to anything else and gives it new life, makes it soft. This is what the New Testament authors will call regeneration. Regeneration. What is the purpose of regeneration in the text? So that they will follow my statutes, keep my ordinances and practice them. Why does God give us new hearts so that we we can be his people and be obedient to him? In the old covenant, the people of God made a mess of things through sin and blatant disobedience. However, in the new covenant, Ezekiel says that because our hearts have been changed to this new kind of heart, this soft heart, God's people will finally be able to follow him. And inside of every believer is not just the law of God that we've memorized, but the Spirit of God Himself resides in your heart. I think we just take that for granted because you were told that when you were seven. When you accepted Jesus, and you're like, cool. Y'all, the God who spoke and things like planets appeared. <laughs> he gave a part of Himself to reside in you. And not just a part, but a full part. A full part that's fully God is in you. That's what we have. If you are a believer in Jesus, you've been made new. You've been given this heart of flesh by the work of the Holy Spirit. When he came, he changed your heart. Instead of a stone heart that will not follow God, you now have a a heart of flesh that can follow God. This is good news. But I have a tough question to ask. If the Spirit of God is really in us, for those of us who are in Christ, if the Spirit of God is really in you, enabling you to follow God, why are we living defeated? Why are we weak and ineffective? Listen, if you have sinned in some big way, okay, big way I mean like a way that was just, it seemed awful in the moment. If you sinned in some big way as a Christian and you're feeling beat up and defeated because of that and you feel like you can't move on, listen to me. I think I'm not a prophet. I don't believe prophets speak today, okay? But I can speak from God's word and give you truth. If that's how you feel today and you have repented of that sin and placed your faith in Jesus, The shame that you feel is not of God. This shame, this guilt, this defeated feeling that you have is not of God. You've got to let it go. You've got to. Do you need to be naive and allow temptation into your life? No. But you don't have to beat yourself up. If you feel that way, if you feel that way after repenting, you need to know that that is a work of Satan who's good at what he does, but it ain't God. 
God has given you His Spirit so that you can follow hard after Him, not to wallow in self-pity and shame. If you are in Christ, you've been given a new heart. Walk in it. Walk in it. I want you to think back to the disciples for a moment. All right? Some of you have probably never read those verses I just read to you and we just looked at. And that's okay. Not a lot of people dive into Ezekiel, Jeremiah. It's good stuff, but we often don't. Here's what you need to know. Thinking back to those disciples, those men would have read these passages or at least heard these passages talked about and they would have known them well. Jesus' followers were not they were not geniuses when it comes to the Bible. They had not been through the higher levels of education to learn the Torah. But imagine, God's people, they know about the covenant with Noah. And it was a big deal. They know about the covenant with Moses. I mean, Abraham next. And that was a big deal. They still talk about it today. You go to Israel, they'll still talk about being Abraham's family. And then the covenant with Moses at Mount Sinai, receiving the law, that was a huge deal. And then the covenant with David, where, he, where, where God said, I'm going to sit a king on a throne forever. And then nothing. And nothing. No new covenant comes. But all along the while, in this space between David's covenant and Jesus are prophets who begin to speak and say, there's a day coming. There's a day coming when God is going to make all this right. And the, the, the silence that you feel like God, that you're, that you're feeling from God right now to the people of Israel, like you, you don't you feel like God's abandoned us, like God's left us? There's a day coming when it's going to make sense. There's a day coming and Jeremiah speaks into it and Ezekiel speaks into it and Isaiah even speaks into it and Hosea and Micah and Malachi and all these guys are tiptoeing around this idea that there's something coming in the future that's going to make all the silence, the 435 years of silence with no prophets and it's going to make sense. And it's into that world that Jesus' disciples are gathered around a table to celebrate Passover. And they know about the new covenant. It's all they can think about. They probably know Deuteronomy 6 because that was a big deal for the people of Israel. And they know about the new covenant. And Jesus says in Luke 22, 19 and 20. Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to him and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way he took the cup after supper and said, he didn't just say, this cup is my blood, which is poured out for you. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. What would these redneck disciples, what would their response have been? Did he just say what I think he said? Did he say new covenant? This was a huge deal. This is the covenant that their people have been waiting for. And this, this, this weird carpenter dude that they've been following as a rabbi just said, I'm bringing it. It's here. That's a big deal. Their mouths would have dropped open. And listen to me say this today. You can experience the same moment 
when I tell you this. The new covenant is open for you today. Today, you can trust in Jesus as your Savior. And you can join me as a follower of Jesus, as a covenant partner with God. What were the covenants all about? They were God wanting to partner with people to make an impact in the world. That is what I have accepted as a Christian. That's what's on the table for you today. If your life feels meaningless, how about partnering with a holy God to impact the world? I'll sign up for that. And Jesus didn't just offer, doesn't just offer that. He died on the cross so that it could, be a, it could be a possible. As a follower of Jesus, I get to partake in life here on earth, not meaningless, but as a covenant partner with a holy God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've never trusted fully in Jesus to save you, or you just have questions about it, don't leave this place. Good night, don't leave here without talking to somebody. Patrick's going to begin, he's going to come on up and begin to play softly uh, a song that will sound familiar to you if you've been in church twice in your life. Amazing Grace. And I just want you guys just to stay seated today. We're going to do things just a little bit different. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Um, and I don't, I've never done this. Never as your pastor have I done this. But I want to today. If you, know, if you know beyond any shadow of a doubt, your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that today you are not a follower of Jesus, you are not a Christian, you've not been saved, would you be willing to simply let me know just by looking up at me? I'm not going to embarrass you and point you out. I just want to pray for you that God would do the work in you that he's done in my heart. Just look up at me and make sure I see you. say a word of prayer before I share one more thing with you. Father, I thank you, God, that you continue to draw people to yourself. And I pray, God, for anybody here. God, may not have wanted to look up. But God, I pray that if somebody here hasn't trusted in you, God, you stir in their hearts now. Begin to do that work of regeneration in their heart so that, God, they can call on you and trust in you. God, that's what's on the table. I pray that they would be obedient. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.